to start by telling you guys about a moment that happened three years ago when I broke my grandmother's heart. My grandmother is 95 years old. She was born and grew up in the Soviet Union. Uh, she was a school teacher there. And actually, I was born in the Soviet Union. Everyone in my family was. I'm generation zero immigrant in the United States. And my grandmother had very, very high hopes for all of her grandchildren. And I'm the youngest of four siblings. And it seemed like everyone was really ready to step up to the plate and to fulfill her, her idea of the American dream for us. My oldest sister, an MD, PhD, she's a neonatologist. She runs a lab. I mean, saving lives, saving babies. Woo! I mean, got, got those degrees out of the way. My other sister, veterinarian, saving animals. Wonderful. My brother, engineer at Spotify, figuring out how you listen to music and how to improve your experience one day at a time. And I was doing really well too. I had a great education. I got a PhD in psychology and I was working at the New Yorker and my grandmother was incredibly proud until one day, three years ago, when I came home to Boston and informed her that I was going to be a poker player. And I was really, really excited about this. I had been trying to figure out what my next book was going to be for a very long time, and it had all finally come together. I wanted to write about chance and the role that chance plays in our lives and how we can learn to tell the difference about the things we control and the things we can't control. And I'd come across game theory as I was reading about all of these different elements and specifically the father of game theory, John von Neumann. And I learned that he was a poker player, that game theory came out of poker and that John von Neumann, one of the geniuses of the 20th century, not just the father of game theory, but the father of the computer, of the hydrogen bomb, he believed that poker was the perfect game to explore strategic decision-making in life. That if you could solve poker, you'd basically have the answer to everything. You'd be able to figure out how to evaluate risk, how to make decisions in complicated situations where you didn't have all of the information, where there was risk, where there was uncertainty. And these were all big questions that I'd been studying for a long time. And this seemed absolutely perfect. So I was really excited. And I had made this big decision that I was going to leave The New Yorker and embark on a journey to learn the game of poker so that I could write about it and use poker to explore strategic decision-making in life. My grandmother, Baba Anya, was not impressed. She looked at me, her face fell. I've never seen it like that. It was just a look of pure horror, like I'd sold my soul to the devil. And she said, Masha, Masha is my name in Russian. Masha, you're going to be a gambler? And in that moment, I realized that there was going to be a very big disconnect between what I was trying to do and what a lot of the world saw when they saw poker. Now, if I had come to Baba Anya and said, hey, you know what, I'm gonna be learning chess. She would have said, good girl, 
good good game for a Russian girl. Beautiful. But poker, all of a sudden, alarm bells are ringing. She sees me selling my soul and losing all of my money and just completely going insane. How can someone with a PhD, someone who is meant for great things, decide to be a gambler? And it made me start wondering, what is it about poker that elicits this reaction from someone like my grandmother? And I realized that it was the heart of the game, the fact that it's played for money. And that people couldn't seem to wrap around their mind around the fact that you could play a game for money and actually still have it teach you meaningful things about decision-making. So here's what I ended up telling my Baba Anya and what I ended up learning over the next several years in the game. The fact that there's betting in poker, the fact that you are playing for money, that actually makes it the most powerful teaching tool for teaching statistics, teaching probabilities, teaching how to make decisions in high stakes environment under pressure that I've ever encountered, a much better tool than I've ever encountered in my years in the world of psychology. And here's why. Immanuel Kant, who was not a poker player, but was a philosopher and was a gambler, actually, in his critique of pure reason, he writes that betting on an outcome is actually an essential way of correcting people's overconfidence, overinflated opinions, sense of risk in a way that nothing else quite is. He has this wonderful example of a doctor. It says, imagine you go into a doctor's office and the doctor tells you what's wrong with you, gives you a diagnosis. Well, how sure is the doctor? Probably if he's over some threshold and it differs from doctor to doctor, he's going to give you a definitive answer and say, this is what's wrong with you. This is what I'm going to recommend that you do. But now Kant writes, what if you actually take a step back? And what if you tell that doctor, okay, how much money are you willing to bet on your opinion? $10, $100, $1,000? All of a sudden, that certainty has to become much more calibrated. You have to stop and ask yourself, wait, am I certain? Should my patient get a second opinion? What should happen in this situation? As soon as you have skin in the game and actually have to put your money where your mouth is, all of a sudden, all of our armchair philosophers and armchair theorists and experts in epidemiology and in politics and in all of these things have to take a step back and say, okay, how sure am I really? In poker, you're not only constantly calibrating risks, but you're betting on your certainty that your calibration is correct. And so you're forced to think through it. You're forced to think through your reasoning and to think, why do I think this? How sure am I? And how much am I willing to bet on that certainty? And Kant keeps ratcheting up the stakes. He says, you know, would you bet $1,000 on this opinion? 10,000, a million, would you bet your life? He has a quote that really resonated with me right now. If we imagine to ourselves that we have to stake the happiness of our whole life on the truth of any proposition, our judgment drops its air of triumph, we take the alarm and discover the actual strength of our belief. 
right now, as we're dealing with COVID, as we're living in this unprecedented in anyone's memory pandemic, I think that's such an important thing to remember. And I think that poker has actually made me much better at figuring out those risk reward calculus, those equations that would otherwise be outside of of the realm of the human mind to grasp. Because one thing I've learned from psychology is how bad we are at doing that, how bad we are at understanding probabilities, at evaluating risks, because we don't understand numbers when they're just given to us. 5%, 10%, what does that even mean? Instead, we go based on our experience. Has this ever happened to me? Do I know someone to whom this has happened? And there's a huge disconnect there. We end up making really bad decisions because we don't understand that 1% is actually a huge risk. We don't understand what exponential growth is. We don't understand any of those scenarios unless we are poker players. So poker has given me one of the single most important tools to living life right now, dealing with the uncertainty that we're dealing with right now, because every single day, here's what you have to do at the poker table. You have to make a decision based on what you know and what you know you don't know, because poker is like life, a game of incomplete information. I know something, you know something, there's something that we know in common, and neither one of us knows what cards are still going to come. And despite that, despite the uncertainty, we have to make a decision, we have to act, and we have to act decisively and bet on it. And that makes us make much better, more nuanced decisions as we're evaluating risk. So I actually haven't seen my grandmother since last February, when she turned 95 years old. I went to see her and then I went on a trip um, where I was actually traveling to a number of conferences and it was going to culminate with a poker tournament in Los Angeles. So at the end of February, I found myself in New Orleans about to get on a flight to California to play in this huge poker tournament. And right about then the news of COVID started coming to the United States and the news of the first cases in Los Angeles. And I looked at it and I looked at the numbers and I looked at how the numbers were looking the week before. I looked at the numbers from around the world. I canceled my flight. I went back to New York and I did not basically leave my apartment for the next however many months. And I don't think that that's a decision calculus that I would have been able to make earlier. I wouldn't have understood the implications because the numbers were so low and the risks seemed so low. And yet, because I'd spent several years already immersed in the world of poker, I was able to do that. I was able to come home and I was able to, I think, prevent multiple family members from getting sick. And I was actually very surprised, not surprised, but very impressed to see that out of everyone I knew, the people who understood what was happening first weren't the psychologists, weren't the people with PhDs in decision-making and statistics. They were the poker players. They were the people who lived risk, who bet on risk, who understood risk viscerally and knew how to make those calculations. So I hope that the next time I get to see my Baba Anya, 
she will give me a big hug and tell me that I haven't sold my soul to the devil after all, and that she's proud of what I have accomplished and of the type of decision maker that I've been able to grow into through my journey in the world of poker. Thank you all so much for listening.